0: individual taking massive amounts of action to pursue what they love. And today that is what we're focusing on. We're focusing on your growth and your success. Hello, hello, everyone. Welcome to the Alexa Rose show. My name is Alexa Rose Carlin. I am your host and I am so excited to bring to you another inspiring, empowering, amazing guest. And if you haven't heard of her before, I am so excited to introduce you to her. And uh, again, this podcast, The Lex Rose Show, is all about helping you achieve your biggest goals and dreams by bringing you the thought leaders, by bringing you the uh, change makers and the individuals who are making a huge impact, chasing after their own passion and their own goals, and then providing that support and strategy to help you do the same. So with that, I'm going to introduce to you our guest for this episode, her name is Pamela, and she is a Latinx entrepreneurista, diversity and inclusion trailblazer, and CEO and founder of the leading seven-figure talent agency Society 18. Her unique range of experience includes over 12 years of mastering influencer strategy, integrated marketing, talent relations, casting, and production for some of the biggest networks, brands, and agencies in the industry, helping them meaningfully activate diverse and inclusive brand campaigns that resonate with multicultural and multi-ethnic audiences. So Pamela, welcome. Thank you so much for having me. What an introduction. (laughs) Oh, definitely. Well, thank you for your time. Thank you for being here. I'm very excited to learn more about your journey because just reading about you online, I have so many different questions to ask. Uh, But to get started, I would just love to know like a little bit of your journey of how did you get to where you are today of, uh, you know, founding uh, Society18? Yeah,
1: so uh, I'll start back at the beginning. I went to Emerson College, uh, major in broadcast journalism, minor in marketing and PR. Uh, thought I wanted to be an entertainment host and realized uh, shortly after I graduated that I hated it. Uh, started my career in L.A. Um, interning at E! Entertainment and Disney Channel, Univision, and really getting heavy, a lot of experience in the casting um, and the digital space. I uh, got my first job working at Ryan Seacrest, working in TV development and casting, and really started just um, gravitating towards talent and um, casting and TV shows, and really was interested in uh, just understanding people, what motivates people, what, you know, draws people to a specific storyline in a TV show, and then from there, I went to work at E! Entertainment, working in talent and casting, so casting for traditional hosts, on-camera experts, and um, All of the, and it's essentially anything that E needed, whether it was online or um, on air, we casted for. And so this was around the time that influencers really became, started becoming a force. And we started kind of gravitating towards casting influencers versus traditional talent for a lot of initiatives that we had. And so from there, I went to an agency called Style Hall where I got my feet wet into the talent management space, um, went to another agency slash digital media company called Sweetie High, where we focused on Gen Z talent and did all of the innovative marketing um, there, and then went to New York and started working at two different agencies where I was leading the Unilever influencer marketing strategy casting and reporting initiatives, and then uh, working on Estee Lauder, so going from personal care to beauty, um, supporting Estee with uh, influencer strategy, casting, reporting, and um, for all of their beauty brands. So everything from Estee Lauder, the brand, to Bobby Brown, to Mac, Aveda, Origins. And that's when I really started understanding that, you know, influencers were here to stay. And that it was just such a new business. And a lot of influencers just didn't understand how to navigate the space. And so we realized that, um, well, I realized quickly that there needed to be a little bit more of a resource in terms of more management companies supporting influencers so that they understand their value and their worth. Uh, and so then I quit the corporate world um, and decided to start Society18 to focus on that. Um, but specifically creators of multi-ethnic and multicultural backgrounds that I realized were coming in way lower when they were negotiating their rates. And so we represent influencers of all races, ethnicities, cultures, religions, um, and we're growing very quickly. <laughs> so that's kind of my, my spiel.
0: Wow. No, I'm sure you're growing very quickly because, I mean, the creator economy is just getting bigger and bigger. And it's interesting to see, because even myself, like I've been a creator for, um, I mean, a while now, really since I started my first blog in 2012. And for such a long time, you know, companies would just send products, but, you know, and then you started getting paid for different gigs. But now I'm seeing that companies are hiring me as as such like a... um, a celebrity in the sense of doing commercials for them, and mm-hmm. I never saw that before. But now they're like, "Hey, we want you to create a TikTok video, but I don't want you to post it on your feed. We want to use it in advertising," which is yeah. crazy. So, so when you were um, in the middle of it all and you started to see and and hire before you started Society 18 uh, influencers, did you get all, any pushback or what was that journey of like? changing what was to what the, what you saw the future, um, was going to be.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think I was in a lot of rooms and putting together a lot of lists that and reviewing lists that just weren't really super inclusive and diverse. And, you know, being someone, you know, being a woman of color, I wanted to make sure that not just my, you know, color, ethnicity was represented, but that people, We're really casting for campaigns and initiatives that were very diverse, not in just race and ethnicity, but in, you know, sexual orientation, um, making sure we're including people from the LGBT community, um, making sure that we're adding people with, you know, different religions, you know, Muslim women, you know, people who have really who come from different walks of life and I feel like um, there wasn't a ton of pushback. I think it was more just lack of resources and not having the bandwidth or the capacity to really dig into you know, the YouTube and the Instagram holes to find these this type of talent, which I was realizing sometimes could be challenging. And I know they're out there. So really providing a solution for a problem that I felt like I experienced at the agency representing the brands.
0: Wow, that, and so that uh, requires a lot of courage to make that leap. I mean, what was that feeling that made you take action on that? Because a lot of times people have these ideas and dreams and concepts, yet they, you know, have fear that stops them from taking that leap or fully believing that they can make it happen. Like, how did you find that courage?
1: Yeah, it's not easy. I will say um, getting to the point where you want to quit your corporate job and like, start your own business is not it's probably the one of the hardest things I've ever done in my entire life because you're really taking a leap of faith and I will say like you know I, I, I had hit a wall and I was burning out and you know I was passionate about the space but just didn't feel like I was living my purpose and I feel like you know we're all in this world for such a short amount of time might as well do something that um, is purposeful to you and that you feel like you're making an impact and I felt like I was making an impact but just on a smaller scale and now with my agency, I feel like I can really expand on the work that I was doing at, um, previous, in previous roles that I've had and really do something that means a lot to me, like being able to represent talent who come you know, from all walks of life and being able to increase their revenue anywhere from three to four to five times just based off of the knowledge that I've accumulated over the last 10 years. That for me is purposeful. That for me is life-changing. And that is really what drove me. Um, and I thank God, not to sound super cliche, but like I wouldn't be here without like my prayer and belief in the universe or in God or whatever that is that is that you believe in that's greater than us right we're just people here and I think it's just following your purpose and um believing in your your gut when it's time to go it's time to go
0: I I definitely believe that and and for sure can resonate as an entrepreneur myself and so you have an interesting story as well with starting your business um you know tell us more about your story of going from over a hundred K in debt to now running a successful business
1: yeah I mean graduating from college I feel like me as well as a lot of my colleagues and friends we all graduated with you know five sick figures in student loan debt and also you know coming from you know I'm a first generation American my pa- parents came here from the Dominican Republic not understanding the language not having the resources that a lot of You know, people do have, whether it's just resources within your community, parents having businesses already, you know, we, um, me, my sisters included graduated and just accumulated a lot of student loan debt just because, you know, we didn't have, our family didn't have the means to cover it. So it took me, I think almost 10 years to pay off all my student loan debt, which I will say I just paid off in the last like year and a half, which is like a great moment for me. Um, (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. I feel like those are like the moments as like a young professional that everyone's like, that's the day I paid off my student loan debt. And it's like the most freeing thing ever. Um, But yeah, so and you know, I had quit my full time job just having with, you know, some savings, but not really thinking like, and I I also told myself, you know, if I need to get a job after I do this for six months, like then I'll get a job, right? I think that's what is um is great about i think this industry specifically working in building up your resume haven't worked you know for really really big companies in the past uh that if i ever needed to go back and work a corporate job again i could so taking that risk it was you know it was a risk but i felt like confident in my experience that if it didn't work out i could always go back and so thankfully I started. A lot of my clients started coming through by referral Um, initially when I started telling people, you know, I want to do this. I started consulting a couple of clients on the side, and then once I kind of went full in, like three more clients came to me, and so we grew very quickly from a six-figure to a seven-figure agency. And um, I'm super grateful that you know when you do good work and you care, I think like it really makes a difference. And you know, ninety over ninety percent of our clients to this date are referral based, so we've really done. No, no no outreach, um, a lot of the clients we have just came to us through you know creators who know creators who know creators um, and we 've been able to grow that way, which I think really just speaks to like the work that we do and you know how much we care
0: that 's amazing no that serves a lot. Um, I always say word of mouth marketing is the most powerful form there is, but it 's also the most difficult for many companies so That's amazing to hear that you're mostly referral based. So when you say clients, are you talking about the creators that you manage or the companies that you work with to uh, create campaigns with creators that you manage?
1: Yeah. So our primary um, like fake focus now is management. Um, So managing our creators. So our creators are technically our clients, even though we work on behalf, we work on behalf Mm -hmm. of our creators, but we work with brands. So we have two clients, but really it's the, the creator Um, that's our primary client. And then this year, we started expanding our capabilities to work with brands to do influencer strategy, casting and seeding, just because that's the background that I come from. And a lot of most of our team members have experience in that. And I think, you know, I think now more than ever, especially we saw after the BLM movement that a lot of brands and agencies, whether they did it right or wrong, want to get it right now and are looking for support to really make sure we're talking to, you know, all types of people, not just you know, the general market, as they say, they try to, they separate a general market and multicultural, multi-ethnic, wouldn't also just be one. You should always mm-hmm. just be tra- targeting all types of people because that's what the market looks like.
0: So talking about that, how, so as a, a brand, a lot of the, um, a lot of my audience, uh, and our listeners are entrepreneurs, small business owners, and they are looking to work with more influencers and creators to help grow their business. Uh, so how would a small or medium sized company, um, really, uh, be able to meaningfully, uh, activate diverse and inclusive brand campaigns that resonate with all audiences while still focusing on their target market and, you know, making sure that, um, you know, they want to be diverse. They want to be inclusive. Like what would be some of the steps that they can take?
1: Yeah. Um, I, I always tell everyone that to work in, to, to activate an influencer campaign, you don't need to have thousands and thousands of dollars. weekly you can start small. So if it's a product, start with seating, um, put together a list of, of influencers, look at their content, see if it resonates with you, see if their audience aligns with, you know, the type of audience you would like, right. If, for example, if you're, targeting fishermen right or you know men who love fishing making sure you're like going to different profiles of men who love fishing and you know looking through their followers looking at their comments what are people saying about their content is it resonating is it high quality because a lot of times if you you know establish a strong relationship with the creator you can gift them product, and then in return just say, you know, I would love if you could, you know, in exchange for this product, either give me a review or post about it, and maybe I can post you on my channel. Um, but making sure you're starting small, if you're looking for gifting, we always recommend working with Nanos, which are like 10,000 followers and under. Um, anything more than that, we usually try to suggest like offering some sort of compensation, even if it's nominal, figure out what type of budget you have, um, and, you know, if you have to start small, start small. We, I just think it's a it's such an effective form of marketing. And we're seeing that re- nano and micro influencers, even on the smaller end, still have very high engagement and can still prove conversion. So you can really see, you know, a small focus group, you know, work hard for you. And you're able to track it, too, which is great. If you put together Bitly links and tracking links, you can, you know, you can get really, really granular, granular with it.
0: Definitely. So do you help your creators that you manage out? Uh- work through all those brand logistics um or does the brand really come with okay here's what we want um and here's how we're going to track it or do you also have your back end that you tell creators let's track it on our end as well
1: yeah so for our creators we typically um the brand will come to us already with like a set brief and their goals and KPIs and Obviously they're they're approaching our talent because they want to book them for a specific campaign. So our job really in that front is to just help negotiate the best rate um, for our talent um, and making sure that they're getting paid fairly and properly, making sure we're reviewing the agreement so that the the contract terms are favorable. Um, And on the flip side, when we're working with brands to help them navigate this influencer space, we do provide that type of support where we'll figure out, okay, what are your goals? What does success look like? What are your KPIs? Um, and how do we create a campaign that'll resonate with your followers, that'll bring you value, that you can track sales? Um, what does the creative brief look like? What, what type of messaging do you wanna relay in your content? So we work really closely when we're working with brands specifically um, on that other offering that we have when we do support brands with brand strategy and things like that um, to make sure that they're getting, you know, their messaging across that they're making, that they're seeing the, you know, investment payoff.
0: Yeah. People don't realize how much goes into it. There's a lot on both the yeah. brand side and the creator side. And, and it really has come where um, I had to find management uh, as a creator uh, last year after landing uh, a pretty big brand deal and seeing that It was too much for me to keep up, one. But two, I also was undervaluing myself. And Mm -hmm. I didn't even realize about certain things that you can negotiate, like licensing agreements uh, for a brand to utilize your content for uh, a longer period of time. Like there's so much that goes into it. So uh, thinking about even creators that listen to this podcast and are in our community, what would you say – is something that they can do to find management if that's something they want or present themselves in a way that can help them land certain brand deals?
1: Yeah, Um, in terms of presenting yourself, making sure that you're brand-friendly, right? And the content that you're creating is... A of high quality, because we're seeing now to your point where influencer assets are not just being used on the influencer channel, they're being used for the brand social, they're used for digital, They'll sometimes they'll be used for paid, sometimes on website, we're seeing even in store billboard, right? So it's like making sure that your content is high quality, uh, because a lot of times, that's what we you know where the brand will really be able to, to justify the investment versus, you know, hiring a photographer and photo and creating like a whole entire photo shoot for a specific campaign. They can tap into content creators that have high quality content that are creating content with the aesthetic that they'd like. Um, and they can use those creators for their campaigns. So I would say definitely present yourself in a way that'll attract the brands that um, you want to work with. And then if they are looking for management, I think it m- make sure that you're at a point because a lot of times, you know, we have creators who have, 5,000 followers all the way to, you know, a hundred thousand followers and more who reach out to us where when you're on the the smaller end, like 5,000 to 10,000, I think it's really important to focus on your brand. What verticals are you posting in? Are you lifestyle? Are you parenting? Are you beauty? Um, Really focusing on uh, making sure you're really engaged with your audience. You're, you know, you're creating a community because really that's what the brand is tapping into is the community that you've created. Um, and then usually when we explore working with a talent, they're usually hitting a sh- certain threshold in terms of revenue. So and they have no time to manage their business because the influx is so high. So making sure that it makes sense from a business perspective to give up a percentage of your business to hire management, uh, because that's really um, going to cut into your money overall. And so I think it's really important to just look at your business overall and see how many partnerships are you, you know, working on? What does your revenue look like? Where could you use the most support? And also tap into other influencers who are in your space. Like, be transparent about what, you know, you guys are charging for things. A lot of times they don't like talking, creators don't like talking about it. Um, But I think it's important, share resources to see what, you know, what is market value for someone of your following. And then once you get to a point where you're getting a lot of yeses and people are just meeting your rate, maybe it's time to bring up your rates and just keep it competitive. So I feel like just look at your business as a business. Um, And make sure you're looking at everything across the board.
0: I love that. I love, I love like the sense of being more collaborative. Uh, That was one of my questions I was going to ask you is like, how do you think that the creator economy can become more collaborative versus competitive? Because I, I see a lot of creators are very, very competitive with their following, with their image. You know, they think where, oh, you know, if they have this number of followers, I have to have more in order to get a better brand deal. I mean, in my perspective, I think there's enough room for all of us to be successful, but coming from a leader in the industry, what, what do you think are some ways that we can help creators become more collaborative among amongst each other?
1: Yeah. And I would say to your point, like there's enough space for everyone. Like there's like the, the influencer marketing industry is a multi-billion dollar industry. Like it's going to continue to grow. And I feel like don't um, I feel like don't be selfish in terms of not sharing information. I feel like the more we share, the better we all are off. And so we try to even you know with our social channel try to be uh, try to provide that type of insight to creators. Like what are some emerging platforms? What are some things they can do to you know better their brand? So I would say like tap into your community and also do the research too, and just see what is it looking like out there. What is market value? Um, I feel like the more transparent we all are, the better. And I feel like we all just should elevate each other and push each other to be better because there is so much room for growth. And like I said, it's a multi-billion dollar industry and it's just going to continue to grow. Definitely. I love that. And,
0: and when you were talking about, uh, seeking management and having creators see if you know, you meet this revenue threshold in order to, you know, give a percentage of your, your business to the management or to the agency, do most, do you find most of the people that you represent, are they full-time creators or are they creators with also other full-time businesses?
1: Yeah, for the most part, uh, most of our creators are full-time creators. We, we did have a couple creators um, last year that had, were kind of splitting their time between content creating and just their full-time day job, whether it was something they went to school for. And thankfully, because their their revenue had increased so substantially, they were able to leave that, you know, 40 hour a week job and use that 40 hours a week to really invest into their brand. And since then have seen, you know, the, the fruits of their labor. Right. So we have a couple creators that did quit their full-time job to do this full-time which is just a testament to just how much this industry is growing and really like the work you put in you'll you'll get it you'll get it as, as long as you're investing in you know your equipment, you're investing your time, you're be, you're doing your research, you're looking at your insights and your analytics and you're listening to your audience and just continue to do what's working.
0: So, do most of the creators are they making a large percentage of their revenue, if not all of their revenue from brand deals, or do they also have an e-commerce store or, you know, have a book or do music or, you know, other ways that it's still their personal brand as a creator, but there's multiple revenue streams coming in.
1: Yeah. For the most part, all of our creators are making their revenue off brand deals. Um, For us, it's important to also think about longer term goals, which is something we help our creators with. Like, you know, do you want to write a book? Do you want to start a hair care line? You know, do you want to launch an athleisure brand? Like we're, we're working on strategy with all of our clients to make sure that we position them in a place where, you know, if they want to work with an an athleisure brand in the next like six to 12 months, let's start incorporating that content in your feed to see how it performs, to see if you can sell. I think conversion is like the biggest metric right now that we're seeing as the most important for a lot of brands, because they want to make sure that they're working with creators that can help sell their products, which you know, sometimes it's important, but also like conversion isn't everything. If, you know, from a marketing perspective, there's like the marketing funnel. So you need to be aware before you consider, you need to consider before you convert. So there's a whole strategy behind um, influencer marketing and marketing in general. So it's, it's really looking at um, what their long-term goals are, how we can make sure that their platform is setting them up for success because the brand deals are great, but how can they for us, it's important to establish business outside of that. So whether it's a book or it's, um you know, motivational speaking, or we have a client that wants to start a jewelry line who started working on that. And so it's like really thinking about bigger picture. The brand deals are great because it'll definitely create that visibility amongst brands that you might want to co-collaborate maybe on a palette one day. But I think for us, it's thinking about how do you create a business that will sustain past the partnerships?
0: Yeah. That's a big thing for me is sustainability because, you know as a creator it's you um you are mm-hmm. the business and what happens i mean i've come from um uh a long journey of health challenges and when i wasn't well you know then i wasn't able to speak i wasn't able to create and so where does that income come from and and of course that's with a lot of industries but thinking about even some of my friends who got really really popular and viral and millions of followers on vine do you remember the vine days
1: Yep, yep. Yeah, uh,
0: and then they did try to spread themselves to like YouTube and other platforms, Instagram, and they have a lot of followers or subscribers there, but it it never was the same. And now they find mm-hmm. themselves trying to pivot yet their audience has grown up and mm-hmm. hasn't grown with them. So that's something that I I'm always uh, curious to hear, you know, how people in the industry, how, how you work with creators to make sure that their business is sustainable long-term.
1: Yeah. And I think it's important to diversify the platforms that you're on. Right. So Vine was huge. And if they didn't take that time to push their audience from Vine to YouTube or Vine to Instagram, um, or even start their own website and a blog, like we always push our creators, to just repurpose their content on a blog so that they can build an audience that's not dependent on these social platforms, right? Because Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, Facebook, they're great and all, but how do you create a community outside of these platforms? So for example, when, if Facebook and Instagram are down for a week or a day, again, like they were last time, you have a place where you can still communicate with your community and you're not stuck to just that one platform or two platforms. So I would definitely say like diversify the platforms and try to create a community off even these social platforms, and then think about longer term like how do you create a brand that'll that'll sustain um, sustain you even after you know the partnerships or these you know social media um, social media verticals are let's say maybe not extinct because I think they will still exist, but you know create something that's bigger than just that right.
0: Definitely yeah, I was just speaking at the Samsung Galaxy Creator Collective in New York City and uh, it was all for creators by creators and uh, I'm a Galaxy. I'm part of the Team Galaxy, so I'm a, a brand partner with Samsung. and a lot of the people were asking about the business side of how can you use your influence, your following uh, your thought leadership to create a business. Um, outside of just creating content. And so that's what I've been really focused on is helping our audience see wh- what they want to do, kind of like what you're saying. You want a hair care line, you want to create yoga, a yoga clothing company. Like, what do you want to do? Because now's the time when you do have the attention and then that business in itself can live on even if you decide to pivot or you decide, Hey, I want to start a family. I don't want to create content anymore. Like Mm -hmm. there's so many things that come up and I think it's really important for creators to understand how to, protect the longevity of their business, especially because social media is so like, it's so quick and it changes in an instant. And so I really like how you say, you know, get on your own blog or your own email list to own that platform. So it's not, you're not putting your future in the hands of these big media
1: companies. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. The more you can focus on establishing a business outside of just, you know, your social channel, like the better and the more long term um and the more longevity you'll have. So I would definitely have focus have anyone who's looking to really create a not just create like a social presence, but like make this like a sustainable business, think long term always.
0: Definitely. So talking about though this the different platforms, because I know a lot of people have this question, like what would you say right now is has been the most popular with brand deals? And platform and uh what do you think uh is kind of like the six months to 12 months future of where creators should focus their time
1: yeah so we do the majority of our partnerships on instagram but tiktok in the last six months has really blown up and we're doing more on tiktok than we ever have I also think it's the, one of the fastest and easiest platforms to grow on right now. So if you're a new creator and you really want to get into the space, Instagram is a little bit tougher with like the algorithm. Um, but if, you're, if Instagram is where you want to be, we would say reels, video content, video is king. Right now they're prioritizing anyone with, um, with real content. They're just prioritizing them in the algorithm. So I would say reels, carousels, and then photos. Um, And then in terms of verticals, like Instagram obviously being super important and TikTok being like one of the the easiest ones to grow on and just the, the fastest. We've seen tremendous growth on TikTok as long as you're consistent consistency is key and just being fun and have like it's just a very different platform I think in TikTok has turned into what used Instagram used to be where Instagram was fun and um a great time and then it became very much about the aesthetic and being polished and being clean and I think TikTok kind of took over in terms of just creating a place where it's entertaining right and like you feel like you can be yourself like a lot of our creators will have like their polished brand super brand friendly content on Instagram. And then they will use TikTok to just showcase their personality, whether it's dance or um, uh, whether it's dance or like, you know, really funny two or 20 second clips. Like it's a place to really showcase another level of just your personality, which I think our creators are really loving. Um, YouTube, we were doing a lot on YouTube at one point. We're doing a lot less now um it's really hard with YouTube to grow on as like a new creator uh because I feel like the long-form video just we're not seeing it trend up I think people are just looking for short bite-sized content uh so it's it's tough um and then Facebook is usually older demographics so like moms and that's what we usually use for targeting like if there's a brand that's looking to target moms we usually go to Facebook but it's a definite facebook i feel like is more for community like i'm part of a couple different facebook groups that are great for like networking and interacting but as a creator it's 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 a little tougher
0: definitely and It's interesting with YouTube because YouTube is always kind of like the gold standard or has been. But there was – when I was speaking at that Samsung event, there was an entire panel on YouTube Shorts. And YouTube Shorts, people are heavily investing in. And it's interesting because now YouTube has created an entire influencer program just around creators that are short creators. And people Mm -hmm. are creating all new YouTube channels just around shorts. It was so – I mean, I didn't realize that that shorts was just kind of like reels, right? Another yeah. way to create content. Uh, but have you seen brands diving into that? Or is it still very new? And people are more still focused on Instagram reels and TikTok?
1: Yeah, we did. We actually did a campaign with YouTube shorts last year. Um, and that's kind of when they first like kicked off. And I get the you know I get why I think they're really focusing on trying to capture those like audiences that want shorter form content but I haven't seen brands kind of jump on that YouTube shorts yet I feel like TikTok and Instagram are just still making the most noise and I feel like they have the most active users I believe um and I think it's easier just for from a marketing perspective um to really target on Instagram especially um and Facebook but I don't know. I don't know if YouTube Shorts will come. I mean, I'm open to the idea. I just haven't seen it. We have done no integrations. Outside of that YouTube Shorts partnership we did last year, we haven't with YouTube, um, we haven't done anything on YouTube Shorts. It's really just Instagram and TikTok for us primarily.
0: Yeah, I could see that. So this has been so insightful. And before uh, we start to um, close, get short on time, I want to dive into a little bit more of your part in working towards pay equality, especially around, um, your, the creators that you're working with multicultural, multi, ethnic audiences. Um, can you share about, you know, how you're working towards pay equality in, um, the, the creator economy with brands?
1: Yeah. So what I loved about my previous experience at the agencies that I worked at is that we would reach out to hundreds of influencers and we would just get their rates for scopes of work, usages, exclusivities, etc. And so just a pattern overall that I noticed was that uh, content creators of color were just coming in way lower than their counterparts. And a lot of times it was either A, because they were representing themselves and didn't have management or B, you um, really didn't understand their value and or their agency that they were working with didn't understand their value. Right. So what I decided to do was start my own agency and now having insight as to what market um, what the market value is and what it's what the content that they're putting together is worth, uh, making sure that they're getting paid just as much as people of other races and ethnicities. So for us, like I said, we've been able to increase our clients' revenue anywhere from three to four to five times just by making sure that their com- their rates are competitive and that are in line with what other content creators are charging for the same amount of work. Uh, and so that's been like, for me, like I said, when we talk about like why I started this and purpose is, has driven me here and it's super fulfilling just to have an impact on someone's life because at the end of the day, you know, you don't know what you don't know. So if you don't have someone vouching for you and pushing for you and really supporting you, it's really hard to understand like your value and, what you should be charging, especially in this creator economy that grew so quickly. It's so, um, aggressively, I think we're seeing now the value in it and also when brands are kind of jumping on the bandwagon. Um, and if they haven't, they will. And so I think it's, um, it's been just really, really fulfilling work to be able to impact their lives just based off of, you know, work that I've done at previous agencies on behalf of brands.
0: Yeah. Wow. So do you think, um, you know, I find that even with just, uh, women in general, especially when it comes to, uh, raising capital for your startup, uh, we tend to, and of course this is generalization, but based on the stats, we tend to ask for way less money for mm-hmm. a product that's equally as valuable as say uh, a man would go in and ask for a million dollars more, uh, and, yeah. and, you know, in funding. And so, Did you, have you asked, you know, creators that you're working with, like how, what's the reason you're charging this? Is it, is it based on a perception of themselves of value? Is it based on just not knowing even the benchmark? Um, What, what have you found to be kind of the common theme around it?
1: Yeah, a lot of them just don't know. So, and it wasn't even their fault, right? They just like, like a lot of them started their YouTube channels as a hobby and Instagram as a hobby and then didn't realize they could be making money until brands started reaching out. And then they would just take whatever the brands would offer, not understanding, oh, I have room to negotiate or, oh, I'm way undercharging. Like, I think a lot of times they were afraid to ask for more because they didn't know or didn't feel like they were worth it or didn't really understand that it was, you know, it was okay to so I feel like a lot of it was just with all of my clients across the board I always ask like what are your rates what are you charging and even when I start having initial conversations with my clients I was like oh my god these these women have you know really strong following high engagement and are charging way lower than so many of these other influencers that I've worked with that I you know um, paid double or triple for the same scope of work in the past so it's like I, uh, I realized that that was a pattern. And so a lot of it was just like lack of knowledge. And then a lot of times if, you know, the influencer isn't really part of a influencer community where they have a lot of friends who are in the same space, uh, they just didn't have resources. So they didn't really talk to other creators to see, okay, what are what are you charging for this? This is what I'm charging. Um, And so I think that was another piece. And so I think also, like even myself as a woman in the career that I've had, it's been super challenging to 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 navigate negotiating my salary, right? That's always such an uncomfortable conversation to have. Sometimes you're negotiating with your direct report. It's easier when you're negotiating with like HR because you have that buffer. But it can be a very challenging conversation to have. So I just put myself in their shoes, understanding that it was always hard for me to negotiate my salary. Not understanding, you can all, you can all, you can do so much research in like market value, but still like. Understanding that men, a lot of times, they ask for what they want, right? A lot of times women just feel bad or they don't really know or they just don't think they're worth that much. And I'm like the friend that a lot of my friends call when they're negotiating their salary because I'm always like, okay, what do you want? Ask for more than that because you need to give yourself a buffer. What is market value? What are your, you know, your colleagues making? Look at Glassdoor. Look at LinkedIn. like What are the rates and salaries going for the role you're applying for? um and so everything's negotiable too you can negotiate your salary especially from a professional perspective negotiating your salary negotiating your bonus negotiating your vacation like sometimes they're negotiable sometimes they're not but you don't know if you don't ask right and that's kind of something that I go that I put forward with even when we negotiate is making sure you're asking for you know their standard rates um but making sure that they know that that we're flexible because at the end of the day like we still want to work with the brands that, you know, per- come to us, especially if they're brand friendly and the- our clients are a fan. So sometimes we're flexible. But at the end of the day, ask for what you want. You never you really truly never know what you'll get, if it'll get matched or if they'll over exceed that. So uh, navigating negotiations is always tricky, but you just have to be really, really smart about it.
0: Everything is negotiable. Yes. Yeah. And, yeah. and it's it's crazy that you just mentioned this because literally in the last maybe three weeks I've heard this twice, one from my best friend and one from my sister, where my friend, she uh when she was getting started in uh marketing and doing content marketing for a company on the brand side, she when she was uh negotiating her salary She asked for a certain amount. And even the person that was hiring her said, I'm going to give you this because you just way undervalued yourself. And it was actually, you know, a woman supporting another woman and gave her 10,000 more than she was even going in and asking. And that same story happened where my sister, she's in vet school right now, but one of her friends just, uh, is starting to look for jobs as a veterinarian. She went in and she asked for a certain salary. The person hiring her said, we're, I'm going to do you a favor and I'm going to offer you this. And it was like $15,000 more than she went in asking. Wow. And that's that's crazy. So we all need a friend like you <laughs> when we're negotiating. <laughs> yeah. But it, it's true. It's, 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 it's mind-blowing how much we undervalue ourselves. And I think that's like a whole even like another topic that I mean I definitely want to talk about on this podcast because it is – it's life-changing in the fact that once you start asking for what you want and then you see that you get it, I mean, man, like the, yeah. the, the sky's the limit.
1: Yeah, yeah. And like time is money. Like I feel like sometimes people are like money isn't everything. But yeah, like but if you can negotiate 10 to 20K higher in your base, then that's 20, 10 to 20K higher in your next base that you negotiate. Like you're putting in years sometimes in a company and that base salary is super important
0: definitely and then think about if you understand then also how to invest in yep. you know in yourself and your uh, future retirement and $10,000 invested today can, can uh, really uh, compound yeah. very quickly in the future. So it's all about uh, really taking ownership of your finances and your wealth. And again, that's kind of like a whole other topic, but I love that you touched on that. And the other thing I wanted to recap in what you said um, was about education in the sense of a lot of these creators just didn't know what to charge. And I think that's something that your agency is doing. And I think more agencies, more individuals that are leaders in the creator economy need to focus on is educating creators and brands. And then the second thing is community support. I always say community fuels empowerment. And so to see that you are connecting creators and also just having them find community within Society18, that's an amazing, amazing thing. So I'm, I'm really happy that you're doing that. And I'm really happy that you mentioned it and came on uh, the Lexaro show to share more about your journey and, and offer your insight and advice. And, um, so one, thank you for the work you're doing. Thank you. <laughs> and, uh, two, my, my last question that I have for you that I ask every guest on this uh, show is about the possibility of one. And so I'm a big believer that it only takes one, one person, one decision, one action step that could possibly change your life forever. What has been that one thing for you along your journey?
1: Oof. Um Huh. Do you mean like the one decision that I've made in my life that has shifted my career trajectory or? Yeah, so it could be
0: a decision, right? It could be a decision that was like this one decision changed everything for me, or it could be an experience. Um, It could be a person that you met. Um, It could be even an event, a book, anything that is like that one thing that kind of made that huge pivot in your life that affected you and impacted you.
1: Yeah, so I would say... And I don't know what anyone's religious beliefs are or if you believe in the universe or God or what it is. But I feel like the second I hit, like, I think right before I was in in L.A. for eight years and right before I moved to New York for a couple of years, I um, I hit like rock bottom in my relationship and my career. I was just bored. I just like I hit a place where I just knew something had to change. And I got to a place where I felt very like alone and very um, just drained mentally physically emotionally and not to like get too super cliche but like i just like let go and like let god and i i just was was believing in something bigger than myself i feel like as someone who's like a very very i'm a little bit of a control freak i try to control everything in my life like i was in a relationship for eight years and i was like this is gonna happen we're gonna get married this is gonna happen my career at this age this is gonna happen i'm gonna get married and have kids and do this and that and i'm so intentional about planning everything to the where I got to a place where nothing was, nothing was working as planned. And I was like, what is going on? And it was just like putting too much time and effort into this set plan that I have for myself. And it's like, God and the universe has a plan for you. And sometimes things don't work out because they're not supposed to work out. Sometimes, you know, there's jobs that I didn't get that I was so upset about, but to this day, like wouldn't be doing what I'm doing now. If I would have taken these jobs that would have left me, in this place or in this part of my career. So I would say like the second I just decided to just believe that there's a bigger purpose for me outside of just what I'm trying to do day to day. I felt like everything aligned. Like I moved to New York. I ended up getting these job offers. I hit, a, hit the ground running and it was great. And then I hit a point where I was like ready to do something more. And, and every, every pivot that I took in that time after I started just believing in my faith and believing in something bigger than me, amazing things came from it and it was like kind of reassuring like no see I got you you just need to like stop trying to control everything and just believe in your intuition and believe in your gut when you think something it's time for something to end it's time for something to end and when you believe it's something it's time for you to start something else do it so I think that was probably the biggest thing a biggest shift that happened over the last I would say five years because since then everything just ended up working out better than I would, I could have even imagined. I love that. I
0: definitely believe that as well. So, uh, I do believe everything happens for a reason. So thank you so much, Pamela, everyone, please connect with her. You can click on her profile here on Colin and get her social media. Um, but let everyone know, uh, where's the best way, uh, they can get in touch with you, stay connected with you, learn more about you and your company
1: yeah so i'm on instagram pamela zapata it's one word uh and society 18 spelled out for our agency uh and then i have our website society18.com or my name PamelaZapata.com. uh you can find all the good stuff there
0: thank you so much pamela and thank you to everyone who uh is listening, whether live or on demand. This uh, show is live every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, and you can catch all of our episodes on demand here on Colin. Colin is a new social podcasting app, it's an amazing platform for podcasters as well as to uh, connect with your community live. So definitely hit that subscribe button to make sure you're notified when we go live for the Lexa Rose show or to catch all of our episodes. We're always bringing inspiring, empowering, uh, thought leaders, influencers, authors, speakers, entrepreneurs here on the show to help you achieve your biggest, wildest, craziest dreams because anything is possible. I truly believe that. I know Pamela believes that. So, uh, thank you all yes. so much. Yes. Right. Um, And uh, again, thank you, Pamela, for your time and your transparency and all of your knowledge.
1: Awesome. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it.
0: All right. Until next time.
1: Bye.
0: Each individual taking massive amounts of action to pursue what they love. And today, that is what we're focusing on. We're focusing on your growth and your success.